Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. My task this morning is to speak on peace. And peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've got all these notes, and I did do all my my due diligence, but I know that the Spirit will probably do his own thing, and maybe the notes will be superfluous. But anyway, I'll start off. We know that peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, and it's not up, so don't worry about that, tells us what comprises the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, it is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, against such there is no law. Why? Because these are aspects of the characters of God expressed in Jesus. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, they will grow in us as character traits. I think that's amazing that we can show the character traits of our Father just in the natural how we show the character traits of our natural Father. God has made it so that we can show His character traits through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So, <clears throat> Jesus tells us in John 15:1 that we as branches on the vine cannot produce any fruit by ourselves unless we remain on the vine and Jesus is the vine. Furthermore, Jesus goes on to say that every branch in him, the vine, that does not produce fruit, the Father, who is the vineyard keeper, will remove. So producing these fruits in our life is the hallmark of an authentic Christian. Knowing that this is the work of the Holy Spirit in me helps me a lot since I've never really been able to change myself into something else. And again, I can tell you that the Spirit works through the events in our lives. Some great events, some not so great events. And I came to salvation at the very worst time in my life. But see, when I look back, I think, thank you, Lord, for that, for those days, for those dark days that you brought me through because they led to something so amazing. And that peace that is beyond understanding is what came to me the moment I was saved. I was just in the house myself, but I knew that something had changed in me. And it really has never, it's like a red velvet cushion somewhere down, down there that when bad things happen, they just bounce off this. And I I used to think, is this real? Or am I so depressed that I'm out of all reality? But I knew that it was real. And events later on showed that something had changed. (laughs) The Spirit uses these events, as I say. So if things start coming against you, Look to the Spirit and ask Him, what are you doing? What are you doing? How can you use this? Because I'm not going to let the enemy use it. You know, and and He will bring you through these things and you'll be changed. You know, gold is refined. We have to be refined as well. 
John 14, 27 says that Jesus gave the gift of peace to the apostles before suffering and dying on the cross. He said it was his peace and not the world's. Well, we all know what the world's peace is like. It's momentary. We go from peace into trauma or <laughs> distress or something like that, and then we get peace back again for a while till the next thing. But this kind of peace is an underlying peace. You know, and even as you get older, somebody said to me yesterday, I hate being old. And I thought, I don't think I do hate being old. Because the older you get, then you've got this knowledge that it's not going to be that much longer. And <laughs> do you know? <laughs> so you're getting nearer. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> um, but the apostles needed that gift of peace, which is not as the world gives. It's beyond all understanding because they were going into some really dark days. The darkest probably that they had ever experienced when Jesus was going to be taken from them and crucified and they themselves were going to be in complete chaos and terrible danger. But that peace, when Jesus gives you something, when he tells you something, there's power in his words. That's why the word is so vital to us because there's power in it. And when Jesus gives you a promise, gives you a gift of peace, it's not just a gift. It's got power in it to actually keep you in that peace, to sustain you in that peace. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'm just losing my place here. Anyway, this was something they had never experienced before, and it would safeguard their hearts from being troubled or fearful as something was about to change, seemingly from, for the worse. But we, on the other side of that story, knew we know that that was not for the worse. It was actually for our benefit that Jesus had to go and suffer and die. But they didn't know that they were just going through this darkness um, in their lives. And at this point, I think it's appropriate, though we've not come to the intercessions yet, but Pastor David reminded me, and it's close to his heart, about the suffering of the Afghan Christians right now. They, they are experiencing these dark days. Right now, they are, the Taliban is going from door to door, knocking on doors and sending people to the mosque and those that refuse, then they're going to be sent somewhere else. And so these Christians need that peace. They need that strength. They need that certainty that Jesus goes before them into whatever they face. So, Father, we bring them before you right now, Lord. Right in the middle of this preach, Lord, we hold them in our hearts. We are their brothers and sisters, Lord, and they are called to face these terrible dangers right now for their faith, Lord. Lord, and by faith, we see them coming through these dark days, Lord. We see that peace of Christ descending on them, Lord, so that even the Taliban are amazed at their fortitude, at their peace, and at their courage in Jesus' name. Amen. I just felt that was the right time to, to pray for them.
So, um, <clears throat> events came thick and fast against the apostles as they saw Jesus being crucified and themselves in deadly danger. However, except for Judas, they all survived those three dark days. I believe it's because we know from John 17, 6, that Jesus had prayed for them. Remember his prayer to his father. He prayed for himself, that he would complete his mission. He prayed for his apostles, and he prayed for us, for believers, for us. We are covered by that tremendous prayer that Jesus prayed on the way to the cross. You know, <laughs> I just sometimes think, Lord Jesus, what what are you doing with somebody like me? You know, but I know what he's doing. He's making me into somebody different <laughs> from, from the raw person that, I, that I've always been. Anyway, so we are his body and we are called to let this gift of peace rule in our hearts. Jesus knew his apostles and disciples would need this peace to sustain them in the period between his... Oh, sorry, I've, I've skipped a page. <laughs> sorry. Here I go. This is what happens. Even when Jesus ascended to be with um, his father 40 days after continuing to minister, you know, after the resurrection, he was with them 40 days, they stayed together awaiting the promised Holy Spirit. They were to stay 10 days in Jerusalem. That's where he told them to stay. And Jerusalem was the most dangerous place they could have been in. They were in the eye of the storm, you could say when they were in Jerusalem. And in the natural, we might all have thought this way, I think I'll go back to the villages and I'll hide. Like, you know, the fighters against the Taliban, they were occupying different outlying villages. Um, the apostles in the natural might have thought that was the place of safety. But Jesus said, no, it's in the eye of the storm. It's in Jerusalem. That's where they are to stay. But they had to stay in love, in unity, and held together in this bond of peace. So for 10 days, that's where they, they were, um, and danger lurked around every corner. Yet, had they followed this natural inclination to leave, to go against what Jesus said, because, again, it was human reasoning would, would maybe have, have overcome what Jesus had said, I think they, they would have been in a different kind of danger. They would have been in spiritual danger because they had left the place where he had told them to be. And even in the church setting, we know that many people have left the place where they were told to be. Um, I don't mean the people who are online just now. I'm talking about people who have turned away. And they put themselves in terrible spiritual danger in doing that. So um, their spiritual strength and well-being came from being united in that bond of peace that Jesus had gifted to them. We know that the result of their obedience was the advent of the Holy Spirit, which signaled, as the song said, the birth of the church. They're, they're, um, they were there when the church was born, and they were there praying and just expecting something to happen, something good. And the Holy Spirit did not disappoint them because from being in that place, they were all in, 
well, you, it was separate tongues of fire. So they were all set on fire, spiritually speaking. And out the door they went into the place of dire danger and started preaching the gospel. And 3,000 people who were in Jerusalem from different places um, for the feast, um, they were saved. Amen. Now, in the first Pentecost, when they were in the desert, 3,000 were killed because they were disobedient. And now we see 3,000. So the church began with 3,000 salvations after Peter preached. And Peter had been the one that had denied Jesus three times, you know, had cursed and sworn, you know, to try and convince people that he knew he had nothing to do with Jesus. And yet here he was. And there's an interesting thing about Jesus and his relationship with Peter. When Deja was talking about, you know, three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And it was to cover those three denials that he had made earlier. So there's two words for love. One is phileo. That's like brotherly love. And the other is a, a love that they had never heard of before, agape. Agape love. That's the kind of love God has for us. That's the kind of love Jesus displayed uh, for those three years that he was with us. You know, in the flesh, I mean. So Jesus said to Peter, do you phileo me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo you, meaning I love you as a brother. And again, he said, well, he said, feed my lambs. Then he said, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I phileo you, feed my sheep. And then he asked again, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answered, Lord, you know, I phileo you. Because at that time, and that was remembered before the advent of the Holy Spirit, Peter was being honest and telling him the kind of love that he had for the Lord. But after that, he could have answered, yes, Lord, I agape you. And we can only agape the Lord because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it's an interesting thing that, that Jesus accepted that. Jesus didn't say to Peter, oh, I was looking for agape, Peter. He just said, feed my lambs. Isn't that interesting that wherever we are at in our journey, we know in our heart how we love the Lord. Do we phileo him? Do we agape him? But he accepts us where we're at. And never ever think or try to be somebody that you're not. Be very, very honest. If you can't be honest with anybody else, be honest with him. And that, that's what the Lord's looking for. It's honesty of heart. He's not going to judge you. You might judge yourself, and certainly the enemy is good at that, but not the Lord. He wants you to come as you are, give him what you can, but hope to give him more through the working of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> now... That signaled the birth of the church, that first Pentecost. Now, we are the church of Jesus Christ, gifted in so many ways and bearing fruit that will last. 
but everything depends on us remaining in him, the vine, as the branches drawing on his sap of life, which sustains us in the way and the truth, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So if we keep drawing on him, then that life is going to be in us, and we are going to be strong branches with bunches of fruit. And the fruit's not for us. The fruit's for other people. In, a, in a, an orchard, people go and they pick the fruit. We've got a fruit tree just now, and the apples are just about ready to drop, but the apples aren't for the tree. The apples are for us. And so the fruit that we bear in our lives are not for ourselves. They're for others. And that's, that's why it's so important to stay in the vine, stay in the Lord. This peace is beyond... So, sorry, um, this fruit of peace begins to grow and characterizes who we are as Christians. And that's what we're praying uh, for the Afghan Christians right now. And the time might come when it's us. And again, we'll, we'll depend on the prayers of our brothers and sisters around the world to sustain us when it's our turn. But also on that peace of Christ that has been given to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. This peace is beyond our human reach or understanding because it sustains us and it enables us to stand firm when everything becomes shifting sands. In my case, I truly experienced a peace unlike anything I'd ever known the moment I was saved, so that on looking back, the worst days of my life were leading me into this peace, into the best days. Colossians 3.15 tells us that we, as a body, are called to let this gift of peace rule in our hearts. Now, we're all human here, and I know that I can, I can um, be troubled sometimes. I can be upset. I can, we all can. But this peace, this peace has to be the thing that sustains us and the thing that we reach for and the thing that we cry out for to the Lord to just invade us with this peace when things start to go against us. <clears throat> His apostles and disciples would need this peace to sustain them in the period between the ascension and Pentecost. I've told you that. But Pentecost has already come for us because we are born again, spirit-filled we're called believers, and Romans 15, 13 tells us that there is both joy and peace in believing, not to mention an abundance of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace, the two go together, because sometimes when you've got something you're contending with, as we have right now, funnily enough, there's it's a funny thing, because the enemy says, what if, what if? And then suddenly you turn the, and you, the Lord's saying, it's a joy, it's a joy, count it all joy and be at peace. And you go, oh, that's right, that's right. Oh, I'm not listening to you. So sometimes we've got to choose what voice we're going to listen to. And circumstances quite often are on the side of the enemy, you know, to make his case more convincing. But don't ever believe that the circumstances cannot be changed by the Lord. 
In our fellowship here, as in all true churches, there should be this same peace, as God is not a God of confusion. Peace should flow, and it has actually, through the worship, the word, and our giving and thanksgiving. Psalm 29.11 puts strength and peace together as God's blessing on us, his people. Paul exhorted the church in Corinth to rejoice, to aim for restoration, to comfort one another, to agree with one another and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with us. When there's no bond of peace in a fellowship, even between some people in the fellowship, Inevitably, some poisonous fruit begins to appear, and a door is open to the enemy. We've got to be quick to see that. This is where, this is where humility comes in, because when we see something of the enemy coming against us, up goes this, you know, the, this, the banner, and we don't allow it even if we have to sacrifice ourselves, even if we have to humble ourselves, and even if we have to apologize, that's nothing compared to losing the peace, the bond of peace that keeps us glued together. And firsthand, I've seen these things over the 23 years, and I've learned to treasure this blessing of peace and strive and even sacrifice to maintain it. Because the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, drains out of us when we lose our peace. How many have actually, you know what I'm talking about? That, that when, you know, when that bond of peace is, is broken or is threatened, then there's a draining process of the joy. <clears throat> we in this fellowship are in a covenant of peace with God as the Prince of Peace. And he himself gave his last drop of blood to bring us into this covenant. He was chastised so that we could live in peace with God. Now, isn't that amazing that the wonderful, pure, perfectly innocent God was the one that was chastised and bore all that wrath for sin, and we got set free? You know, we have to believe that, that God is not going to punish us because he's already punished Jesus. We now have to live in that freedom from fear. You know, that the, the big hand is going. I used to think, you know, in my former days, that God was like a big Chinese emperor. And I had seen, I used to love those films, where, you know, the, the big Chinese emperor was all powerful. And he would decide, you're for the chop. You're for the, today, you're for the chop tomorrow. Just and, you know, in a whim, God's not like that. But I thought he was. So I did my best to try and actually not be noticed by him or else try, <laughs> try to please him. But as fast as I tried to please him, I just exhausted myself. And, um, you know, that was not pleasing to him either. In Isaiah 54, 10, it promises that the steadfast covenant love of the Lord will never depart from us, but we must be careful not to depart from it. You see, we're the ones that move. God, I think Pastor Bernie said last week, he's immutable. He doesn't move. There is no shadow of turning in God. 
But we can turn in all sorts of, like whirling dervishes sometimes. We can be the ones to move away from him. In 1 Timothy 1 to 2, we are urged by Paul to make supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is indeed a now word for us. As a fellowship, we are here to glorify God in our worship, in our unity, in our love for his word as it is preached, and in our devotion to one another in the Spirit. We don't all know each other closely, but there's a love that exists for the brethren that, I mean, I, I remember people in churches that I've been in, and if I saw them across the street, I would run over to give them a hug, well, a, an elbow hug, because there's a love there. There's a love there that that never really dies, it never really goes away. There's a bond there. Um, <clears throat> so this is to be a place of tangible peace and power to represent the people of this town and their needs before the throne of grace. This is why we're here. The people outside this church, they're suffering. And they're suffering without the benefit of what we have. You know, we had COVID, um, but I, that peace never left us. I mean, Jim will tell you that even I, who would have been the non-peaceful one at one time, I was perfect peace. I couldn't understand it because this terrifying COVID had hit our house. But there was that peace was stronger. So um, I do know that the people in Cowinning, they need our prayers because it's scary what's happening to some people all sorts of effects of this, of this virus have fallen on people who are helpless and who don't have the helper in their lives. In allowing a critical spirit to enter our minds, our hearts, our community, we will lose the very peace that glues us together. Let's remember our purpose in being here as a body of believers. And I mean, I know that sometimes we can be critical but as soon as that thought comes, just dismiss it. It's not worth it's not worth letting it grow because it's damaging to the body. So Colossians three fifteen calls us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called as one body. But this one body comprises a number of individuals who need to live their life in this peace which is beyond all understanding, so that it does impact the body. And that's where every one of us is on trial in a sense. Like these Christians, you know, no matter what we're going through, this peace is, is what has to be the reality to us. You know, and we only need to ask, ask for it. If you don't feel you have it, ask for it. Because Jesus did say, ask and you will receive. We have been through a time in history when fear and confusion have reigned worldwide. We no longer have open access to a doctor when we're worried about our health or a dentist when we have toothache. I'm quite glad about that, actually, because I'd rather suffer the toothache than go to the dentist. 
<laughs> so, anyway, going shopping in a crowded place is scary, as it, and also using public transport. Going to church is seen as taking a risk with our physical well-being, and our services are now tapered down to a fraction of the membership. I'm to not talking about our church necessarily, but churches everywhere are, are experiencing the, you know, the, the diminishing congregation. But thank God in this fellowship, God has not allowed the worship to miss a beat. You see the pun there? <laughs> Certainly not. And on the contrary, the worship team is constantly evolving. So, I mean, we're blessed. We're blessed with that wonderful music, those wonderful voices, our drummer, our guitarist. I mean, I love all you guys. Um, and I think, who wouldn't pay money for this kind of worship, you know, to come and, and, and worship here? Um, and hear this and be uplifted by it. And I mean, I came in here this morning a nervous wreck because of, of the, I mean, I, in myself, I'm really not up to it because, you know, I think, why am I under this stress all the time? See, the minute that worship starts, something happens. And suddenly, uh, you know, stress is, it just lifts, Amen. you know. And <laughs> but it is the worship, you know, because worship is powerful, Powerful. Uh, right, so. <laughs> to offset all this fear and death, our only defense apart from total isolation is a vaccine which mitigates the power of our invisible enemy, the COVID. Before Jesus went to the cross, he gave us the incredible shot in the arm of a life-sustaining, devil-defying peace. Yeah, felt a wee bit like Pastor Nan there. <laughs> There's no other form of peace like it on earth because no one other than Jesus has the power to give it to us. And it's ours for the asking. It affects every cell so that we begin to change and become more immune to the chaos, confusion, doubt, hate, and even sickness that the enemy likes to send our way. It's also a morale booster against the frequent scandals that break out in the media, you know, even in the church, uh, among church leaders and secular leaders. But we have someone who's the way, the truth, and the life, who is our good shepherd, who has already proved his love and trustworthiness by laying down his life for us, his sheep. And this while we were still sinners. We, we were asleep. We didn't know anything about this amazing sacrifice. And for many years of my life, 50 actually, I was still sinning. But he had saved me from that cross. I mean, it, 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 if you really think about it, it's amazing. It's not human. It's of God. <clears throat> Moreover, having given us this peace, we read in Isaiah 26.3 that he will keep those in perfect peace whose heart is stayed or trusting in him. That peace 
enables us to trust in him and not lean on our own understanding. I mean, Jim and I are experiencing something right now. If we leaned on our own understanding, we'd be nervous wrecks. But that peace is it's just there. It's just, and people can't understand it, but we know that peace. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 18, that if possible, so far as it depends on us, to live peaceably with everyone. This requires much grace, which Jesus assures us is sufficient, fit for purpose. Jesus himself tells us in John 14, 27, that he has given us his peace, which is not as the world gives. His peace keeps our hearts from being troubled or afraid. And we can vouch for that. I mean, there's been times when, like when Jim had his accident, for example, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't believe that such a thing could happen, that he went down the town. I was with Barbara having a cuppa. I didn't even say cheerio to him. And the next thing I got a phone call from Jim in perfect peace saying, I think I've broken my hip. Um, the ambulance is coming. Just uh, get the spare keys and go down and get the car. And... <laughs> And I, I just, I couldn't take it in. But somehow or another, that peace that was in his voice transferred over to me as well. So, in John 16:33, it says that in him we may have peace, while in the world we will have tribulation. It doesn't save you from the things that can happen in the world, but it brings you through. That's the thing the Lord brings us through. But take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. We must become peacemakers as sons of God. It's tempting at times to share something that will keep the pot boiling in a situation. We must recognize that this is, at the very least, an immature thing to do. And at the worst, it's against the nature of who a Christian is. Psalm 4, 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. When I first became a Christian, I was a terrible worrier. And often I tossed and turned at night and I couldn't get to sleep. And I woke up in the morning with the same worry plaguing my mind. I think people will probably understand what I'm talking about. But as soon as I was saved... And I started going to a born-again church. The music for a start, it's always affected me. And so in the morning, I would waken up, not with that worry in my mind, but the wonderful music. I could hear the worship leader's voice um, singing that song. That song was in my heart and in my spirit. And it dispelled the worry and the fear that used to plague me. So... Romans 8 tells us, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I've had many sleepless nights. Well, I've told you that now. Got that already in. <laughs> but I will say something. Before you go to bed, be careful what you watch. Because again, if you watch something, say like a thriller, or that'll play in your mind. <laughs> you know, through the night, and, and you'll find it hard to sleep. But see a psalm before your bed, it's like cocoa. It, you, just, you just clock out. It's great. I've discovered that uh, more recently as well. 
So be careful what you watch and feed your soul with the right stuff, like a Sam, for example, um, because whatever you plant, whatever you sow, that's what will grow. And if you sow peace in your own soul as well as the souls of others, then that's what will grow. Um, according to James 3.18, we will reap a harvest of righteousness by making peace. Finally, let me describe the peace of Christ in its original language. The root word in Hebrew is shalom. Not shalom, but shalom. <laughs> and it means to make amends, to make restitution, to restore something and make it better than it was in its original state. From this root word comes the word shalom, which we're all familiar with. Jesus is our shalom, and he restores promises and blessings that were robbed from us by the enemy. Jesus restores us to a right relationship with our Heavenly Father through the gift of forgiveness and justification. He is able to restore our earthly relationships, and he can even restore the years that have been lost to the effects of sin according to Joel 2.25. Not only can he renew your life and redeem your future, but he can take away the guilt of a sinful past. Jesus can restore sight to the blind, the ability to walk to the crippled, hearing to the deaf, and new clean skin to the diseased. He also restores security and hope to the brokenhearted. And there are many people who live their lives brokenhearted. They don't know that their hearts can be made whole. And that's how they live their life. I know somebody right now who lives that brokenhearted life because she lost her husband in the, you know, just before COVID. And she's quite disabled. Also, just one story uh, of somebody living like that. Shalom also includes the idea of vigor and vitality in all aspects of life. In short, Shalom speaks of holistic health. That's very current these days, holistic health. <clears throat> but the ultimate peace will be when Jesus ushers in the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Revelation 21.4 describes this in detail. No limitations, sickness, oppression, depression, or emotional turmoil. No warfare, lack, condemnation, murder, or theft. No conniving, assault, and battery, or injustice. True shalom is to have every part of your life brought back to completeness and wholeness. In other words, God wants to restore Eden to us, where man lived in the glory and likeness of God. So we as believers should also pray for the peace of Jerusalem so that Messiah King returns soon and restores Jerusalem to its original importance. There is true peace where the Lord dwells, and he dwells in us. So he is coming back to rule and reign from Jerusalem, but before that, he desires to rule and reign in us. Finally, in number 6, 26, we see God giving a priestly prayer to Aaron to pray over the children of Israel. If it is applied, if it applied then, it applies now, as Christ himself is our high priest. I think the Bible group, um, we copied that out. Here it is in the Amplified Translation, and pray it over your family in the name of Jesus. You'll find it in Numbers 
6.26. It's just short in there, but this is the amplified. Um, May your heavenly Father set in place all you need to be whole and complete so that you can walk in victory. Again, see a victory. The music's really been quite connected today, hasn't it? Um, moment by moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he give you supernatural health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest and harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. And that would be great, even that, wouldn't it? The absence of agitation and discord. I urge you to pray this from your Bible whenever you have problems, issues, or an outright attack. Remember that it comes from God's lips to your ears, so return it from your lips to God's ears on a regular basis. And may the peace of Christ be with us and in us as we go into the week ahead. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.